Hey everybody, it's Todd. If you happen to be new to Zen Parenting Radio, you might not know that our motto for every single podcast is this, the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. So we're hosting the Let's Get Real conference on March 11th and 12th. Kathy and I are bringing eight dynamic speakers, 12 amazing vendors, and upwards of 300 to 400 parents from around the country together for this amazing two-day event. We created this community to help us all be the best parents we can be. It's taking place at the Westin in Lombard, Illinois, which is just outside of Chicago. But we're close to selling out for the first day of this two-day conference, so get registered today by going to zengetsreal.com. We really hope to see you there. And now, on with the show. Do, 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 do. Here we go. My name's Todd Adams. This is Kathy Adams. Welcome back to another episode of Zen Parenting Radio. This is podcast number 294. Why listen to Zen Parenting Radio? Why? Because you'll feel outstanding. And who doesn't want to feel outstanding? Thank you. Thank you very much. I do. Skylar, my eight-year-old, does an Elvis impersonation. Yes, I've noticed Thank you. That. Thank you very much. And she got it from one of her shows. From one of her shows that she watches. Yeah. Yes. One of those amazingly awesome shows that she watches. They're not, they're all right. They're all right. She likes this show called Live and Maddie. And she said, mom, there's this song that I want you to hear. And yesterday she brought me the iPad and she said, listen to this song. And it was all about, I can be me. And, you know, I am. So you say you want to be, be free. free. So, so you say you want to be me. Ooh, that sounded bad. Does anybody know what movie that's from? I know. If you know... No, don't do another contest. We have too many. Just whatever. Just, it's from... Can't you play the clip? I don't know. How do because I Because maybe that? if they hear it, they'll know what it's from. But anyway, she played me this song from Liv and Maddie, and it was um, all about... It wasn't like a girl power thing. It was, I am good enough as I am. And she said, I knew you'd like that. And I said, well, do you like it? And she said, yes. So I thought that was good. We're going to be talking a little bit about our kids today, aren't we? Uh-uh. No? No. I Not that we, I'm aware of. thought we were. This is the movie it was from. I can't hear it. I know, but play the clip. It doesn't have the clip. Everybody knows what this is from. I know. That sounds bad, though. It's because it's on YouTube. Ah. I don't think this is the first time we've ever played Revenge of the Nerd stuff on the show. <laughs> well, that not that Judy? We lambda, 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 and Omega Moose. Who's singing that song, the uh, So You Say You Want to Be Free? Judy's playing the accordion. She's just, just playing is it. Is it her by herself? It's her by herself. Is it when they're at the party and nobody's there yet? Yeah, and then they start smoking pot. <laughs> Which, you know. Wonder joints. <laughs> Booger. Booger. He comes through in the clutch, doesn't he? He did in that for those part. For those college kids. Yeah. Um, all right. And always remember our motto, which is the the, bre- be- the best predictor. <laughs> what do you say? Of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. I was going to say, well, I wasn't even going to say a swear word. Breast. Breast is not a swear word. No, it's not. Yeah. We got to, we've talked about that in our sex talks with uh, other parents. Use the anatomy. Right. There's nothing dirty about breasts. No, there isn't, but you... I have nipples. Can you milk me? Oh, gosh. This is going off the rails really fast. That's a great scene. No, let's not play that. Why not? Because we have deep things. I was going to try and keep this show, like, not at all controversial. There's nothing controversial about nipples, sweetie. Oh, my God. And we wanted to keep it light because our last two shows... 
um, were a little heavy, right? Correct. I I told Todd, I said, I didn't really want to listen to our last two shows. Did you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not because what we talked about, it was super important. Right. But, you know, I was just kind of like, Ugh. So I wanted to talk about more uplifting things this week. I milked a cat once. You want to hear a story? Sure. My sister had a cat, and the cat birthed a litter of kittens. Must have been 30 of them. And there was this one little runt, this little sweet little little engine that could run, who could, you know, wanted to get up there and couldn't really get access to the, to the, to the, to the, uh, teat. Teat? Dad. What have you. I went in and just simply, you know, just... (laughs) into a little saucer and uh, then took the saucer and fed it to (laughs) Geppetto. That's what I named him, Geppetto. I I had no idea you could milk a cat. Oh, yeah, you can milk anything with nipples. (laughs) I have nipples, Greg. Could you milk me? (laughs) That's... It's too good not to Do you play. know why that's so hard to listen to? Is that somebody who has started a lie yes. and has to keep the lie going? We've all been there. Oh, my gosh. And it's the worst because yes. you're just you're just stuck in yes. the lie. Yes. Then that's kind of what we're talking about today. See, it came full circle. Well, thank goodness because I wasn't quite sure what was going to happen there. That's just the beginning. This is going to be a silly show. We have three days until our conference. It's going to be a silly, fun show. Well, but I... In uplifting. And uplifting. And we're going to talk about diplomacy. But first, we're going to talk about our first partner, Dr. Kelly from the Tree of Life. That's Chirotree.com. She's one of our wonderful partners, and she'll be at the Zen Gets Real conference on this uh, Friday and Saturday. So uh, if you want to get any chiropractic adjustments, she's your doctor. Uh, 630-941-8733. Let's do the drawing for the winners. So for those of you who didn't know, we asked our listeners to give us an iTunes review and if you submitted one, then you will enter into a drawing to get free conference registration for Saturday. A drawing. Do you remember Simon? Simon Laban? No. Didn't uh, Mike Myers used to play a kid named Simon who was in the bathtub and he would do his drawings? Um, I don't remember. You should find it. It's funny. The one Mike Myers Saturday Night Live guy that I never really thought was funny. Sprockets. Is that the guy in the black? He's all in the black yeah. and he's like a French dancer yeah, guy? Sprockets. Yeah, I didn't think that was funny. I know. That was maybe above what we understood. So let me get the um, drum roll music. So when you pull a name out, that person is going to get free registration to Saturday's Zen Gets Real conference. Hey. This is it. This is it. I got it. Rebecca Hayes. Rebecca H-A-I-S-E. So, Rebecca, if you get this, I mean, no, I'll email you because you gave me your email address. I'll email you and congratulations. Congrats. On the, on the big win. Yes. So, can we start with um, our morning? No. Oh, okay. Let's start with your thing then. Because yes. I have nothing else for the whole show. <laughs> I got nothing. Empty. Okay, that's fine. We can do that. I just haven't like fully, I told you this story and I haven't fully wrapped my head around it yet. That's all right. It's a good story. Okay. Do you want me to tell the story? Let me start and then you tell me. Can we leave names out of it? Yeah. We had a kid who woke up with a headache Uh and this kid uh, goes to orchestra before school. Uh So at 7 a.m. she's she's gone Uh and she woke up with a headache this morning Mm -hmm. and you did a lot of the momming going on. Uh I was 
busy making pancakes. I made Swedish pancakes this morning. I know. And we got that new red pan and yeah. it's just not working out. It's, I, I'm, I've yet to decide whether or not I like the new red pan. Can I tell the funny story about the red pan? Sure. So this, this part isn't great, but about a week ago, my dad was in the hospital right. and I was um, sitting watching TV with him. My mom and I were just kind of hanging on the couch and there was this infomercial for this red pan and this pan it's copper wasn't it copper pan or something but it's called the red pan i feel like the advertising on the show and the website are like different things mm-hmm. but it could flip pancakes like perfectly and i kept i kept telling todd you can make monkey bread in it and put all this syrup on it and you can flip it and it'll come straight out and he's like do you make monkey bread and i'm like no no but, but if we did if we did that's right i would do it in this pan so i emailed todd and i said watching this infomercial here at the hospital you've got to order this pan because he makes swedish pancakes so today was the first day yeah with that pan yeah and how did that go well i ordered it a little too small i think ah but the small red pan, and I don't know. It might it might work out. We'll see. We'll okay. talk. We'll we'll find out. All right. Well, I you. I'm it, trying to pull up the commercial because it's one of those silly little 1995 commercials, oh, it, right? And you, we got a free set of knives. Yeah. I mean, it was I was sucked in. And if you they got you, sweetie. If you didn't make Swedish pancakes and constantly talk about how you like to flip them, I yeah. would have never even watched the commercial. But this was all about flipping. No luck getting food unstuck? There it Tired is. Tired of scraping and scouring pans all day only to toss them away? No more. Introducing Copper Chef 360, the super strong non-stick pan with Ceramitech, the latest in ceramic technology. And they have like the car driving over the pan. Yes. it's As if it's not going to warp. It's an over-the-top ad. Yeah. But wait, there's more. Is there the woman in there calling it the red pan? I see no woman. Oh my gosh. I feel like I was bait and switched because the woman on the commercial making the monkey bread. (laughs) What is monkey bread? It's like really yummy cinnamon bread. Why don't they call it cinnamon bread? Because it's monkey bread. All right. I don't know. So I, that's as much as I know about the story about our daughter. So anyway, I was just telling Todd he that she woke up with a headache and and I kind I have a lot of empathy for that because that's something that I have struggled with. You got something about headaches too, if you want to add that. <laughs> I do. You know, that's a bigger story. Okay. Can we talk about that later? We'll save that one. That's a whole other thing. Um, but anyway, she didn't feel good. So I said, what do you, what do you want to do? And she made some choices. She took a long shower and she has tools, you know, she has tools that she can. Well, that's even important right there. I think a lot of parents are like, um, well, well, I'm kind of getting ahead of myself, but just the fact that we have tools in our toolbox. Yeah. Essential oils, Tylenol, take a shower. shower. And she Advil. Advil. Uh, She'll take one Advil. Um, She will take a shower. She uses essential oils and getting outside. I always tell them to get outside. Get outside, drink water. Drink water. Yeah. We have like a a headache toolkit for everybody. Um, And so she was doing these things. She knows what to do. And then she, so the decision was made for her to not go to orchestra just because she's still in the shower. I'm like, yeah, that's. Orchestra is at seven, schools at eight. Yeah. And so I'm, and so I said, do you think you're going to just stay in the shower? And she's like, yeah. So I'm like, okay, so orchestra's out. So then she gets up and she does go outside for a little bit, but then I find her laying down and I come in and I said, tell me what's going on. She said, I think I'm just really tired and you know, my head. And I said, well, listen, I totally understand, and you know I have empathy because I have those experiences too. I said, but we just came off this long weekend. Yeah, three-day weekend. And if you're feeling tired, we have to, as a family, make sure that you can get your rest 
on these long weekends because missing school because you're tired, that's a hard one for me because if you're sick or, you know, but if if you really just think your headache is from being tired, we need to talk about that after today. Like today we're just, we got to deal with what's happening, but we got to talk about different ways. And I said, so what do you think you want to do today? And she said, well, maybe I can go later. And I said, okay, this is what I can do to help you. Go to school later beyond when she's supposed to go. Right. So like at 11 o'clock. And I said, okay. And this is not common. You know, this is not a normal thing. But I said, okay, I can do that. I can take you at 1130. um, And, you know, is that what you want to do? And she said, yeah, I think think it is. And I said, okay. And then I left. And um, I came downstairs. And we were cooking with the red pan. And then she came downstairs dressed. And she said, you know what? I changed my mind. I'm going to go right now. um, And I'm going to hopefully stay the whole day. If I have a problem, I'll text you. And I just don't want to miss class. Yeah. She started talking about specific classes Mm -hmm. that she has in the morning that she didn't want to miss because she has some challenging classes. Yeah. So I think that there's a lot of subtle things that went on in your story. Um, A lot of parents would be like, get your butt out of bed. I can care less that you have a headache or how tired you are. You're going to school. Mm -hmm. Or there's the other side of the uh, spectrum, which is, oh, well, then just stay home. Mm -hmm. And you walk that fine line Mm -hmm. in between. And, you know, this goes to a lot of how we choose to parent. We choose to parent by giving them the choice Mm -hmm. with, you know, with some structure. But she's older, too. She Mm -hmm. decided for herself Mm -hmm. And I don't know, I just think that when you give kids choices, most of the time they'll make the right one that's best for them. And you know what? Think about it instead of, you know, because when we say choices, uh, it's empowerment thing. Yeah, I, right. I don't receive the grades. She does. I don't have the homework to do. She does. I don't reap any uh, negativity by not having her go to class. I yeah. mean, if she, if that was in all the time thing, I would have to get involved, but it's not. So she's the one who has to deal with the consequences of those choices. So why not just hand those choices over to her? And when she, and my only mom input um, was if you really believe that tired is the problem, then we have to look at the weekend a little different. You know, maybe, um, and I didn't threaten to take anything away. It's just, it's Monday. Yeah. I mean, we, you know, if you're going into Monday exhausted, then we're not doing the weekend correctly. Correct. And I I kept using we because it's not just her. We as a family need to structure things um, so she can get the sleep she needs. Because I also said, um, especially when she came downstairs and she, you know, she's getting older, her body's changing, her time clock is changing. We all know that teenagers sleep later. They're supposed to, even though they don't, they should. They should. So I was not saying, oh, no, you're not tired. I'm just saying, because this is an issue, we got to think about it Mm -hmm. and make this a part of our plan. Because to say you're not tired, you got enough sleep, what do I know? She could be exhausted. And maybe if she got 10 hours of sleep every night, she would have still been this exhausted. But I guess I wanted to just let her know that missing school because you're tired, um, it, it... that's not going to work. Well, and I think the point I want to make is we gave her permission, basically, if she wanted to, yeah. to blow off school. Yeah. We really did. Um, I mean, you said a few things, but if she wanted to either blow off school or not blow off, maybe didn't want to go to school because she was tired or had a small headache, she very easily could have done it. But because of our work, more specifically your work, you know, I think a lot of parents would listen to that story. It's like, of course, the kid's going to want to blow off school. And that's simply not true. No, She's intrinsically sure. motivated to get to school. 
Maybe it's to not not get far behind in a class. Maybe it's because she knows that school is what's best for her in the long run. Like, I can't say why she chose, but she chose. Well, and let's go beyond that. Let's go beyond this morning. I My whole thing with staying connected to my kids is about advocating for them with what they need. I don't want – when she comes home, I want to be able to say, how are you feeling – but not just make it up. That's really what I want to know. How are you feeling? How did it go? How how did it, you know, when did the headache dissipate? How are you able to to tolerate it? Instead of being the one who forces her into it, I'm the outside person saying, how can I support you through it? You make the decisions. And so that's kind of how I view things with the girls is I'm not the one saying you have to do this or else you're in trouble with me. I'm saying Here's the information I have to give you. I'll stand outside of it, and then whatever decision you make, mm-hmm. we'll go from there. Is yours? Is yours? And and I'll help you deal with whatever those consequences are. And you know, she, I don't know what time it is now, but I think she'll. I think she's good for the day. Yeah. I haven't heard from her. And um, and again, for those of you that are like, well, I have a kid who misses school all the time or who skips school all the time. Different issue. Yes. I'm talking about one day that. Your child is not quite sure how they feel mm-hmm. or they are teetering on, I don't know if I should go. I don't know if I have the energy. Hand them back their decision-making capacity. Did you talk at all about you know the cost of missing a day of school as far as being behind and homework? No. Or she just kind of calculated that in her mind? I did that, that then you're obviously saying, this is going to cost you. What I said is as a family, I understand that you aren't feeling well. I'm empathetic to what's going on, but I want you to understand if if you think tired is causing what's going on right now, then we have to rethink how to get you into a Monday more effectively. Yeah. I didn't say it's going to cost you this. And that's my whole point is she already knows what it's going to cost her. Yeah, we, didn't, kids, we didn't need to remind these her. These kids are very aware of their pressure. They're very aware of what they have to do and what's being imposed on them. I don't need to tell her how awful it's going to be. Because first of all, that may not be the case. Number two, that's my fear and my crap. And that's my history. That has nothing to do with her. And I want to be her support system and not another, um, you know, what's that where you're another oppression, you know, like where I'm saying, do what I say. And, you know, I, I, I'm, because the, the belief system is the, what I believe is that people do things to help themselves and to make their lives easier. I don't believe that people do anything to harm themselves unless they're trying to rebel against something, unless they're feeling unheard, unless they're feeling like this is the only way to get people's attention. Right. And um, and we've all been there. We've yep. all had that. Uh, that's not uncommon. But I really do believe that she doesn't want to be behind. So I don't need to say, hey, do you know you're yeah, going to you be behind? Need, yeah, because then you just be adding to what she already knows. That's what I'm trying to say in a long-winded way. Got it. So it all worked out. All right. Um, so we're going to talk about diplomacy in a second. But first, we're going to talk about my second, our second partner, John J. Kelly Dentistry, another partner of Zen Gets Real Conference, which is coming up this weekend. Uh, he does uh, facial orthotropics, which is a fa- fancy term for uh, looking at the entire smile as opposed to just straightening their teeth. Because sometimes a lot of dentists like to, or orthodontists, straighten teeth at the expense of their facial development. So this is what's cool. So John Kelly is going to be at the conference. So those of you coming to the conference, you can see the pictures that we try to describe to you. Yes. You can actually say, what are Kathy and Todd talking about? Yeah, I don't get it. Yeah, and he will show you what he has shown us and what this cutting edge 
information yeah. about how, you know, alignment in the body and how that's connected to orthodontics. And he's he's a much better teacher than we are. When yeah, it comes we to try this. our best, but uh, get the real deal this weekend. So that's uh, ChicagoDentistOnline.com. So now, diplomacy. So you keep saying that word. Um, yeah, isn't that what I'm supposed to be saying? Well, I guess so. Yes, I was kind of gonna. I was gonna talk about the true self and the false self, but I believe it's connected. I, I was telling Todd that um, the reason I've been enjoying the word diplomacy is because I actually it, it had that good feel. I when I see a word, sometimes a word has like I can kind of see it visually, and it has like a heavy feel or it has a positive feel. And when I say that, I don't mean that that it may be the same for everybody, but the way my system processes the word. Like some people may see the word diplomacy and it's not a fuzzy word, but for me it is. And I looked up the definition and this is a great definition, okay? You ready, Todd? Let's hear it. Diplomacy, the art of dealing with people in a sensitive and effective way. And I just was like, yes, because first of all, working with people getting to know people, being with people, relating to people is an art. Mm-hmm. It's a dance. It's not one winning and one losing. It's not constantly even. It's not always compromise. It's not always perfect. It's not always difficult. It's like an art. It's, it's not a mathematical equation. No. Just like parenting. Exactly. And really, there's diplomacy with our kids too, right? Yeah, we're trying to like give um, you know guidelines or ideas for uh, these listeners to be better parents, but really it's, there is no way to do it. The way to do it, and you're right, there is, you just said there is no way to do it. And I said the way to do it. The way to do it is only through your own self-understanding. There is no other way. If someone says, here's what you have to do, here's what you have to say, it will never land the way it's supposed to. Sweetie, our motto is the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. So it dovetails beautifully. It does. And, you know, this whole idea of diplomacy is how as a as a whole as individuals in relationship as parents as community members as you Be- know between as, countries between countries states you know government diplomacy is what we were built on why don't we talk real quickly or i will <clears throat> we're listening to a podcast called serial correct and when uh, 9-11 happened, there was a shift from the way the relationship between the diplomats and the military leaders in our country, right? So the diplomacy and military. Right. Diplomacy is, hey, let's talk this out. Military is, I don't care what you say, we're going to go do something. And the way that it used to be set up, or and when I say set up, you know, I think it was just the foregone conclusion that the first thing you always do is diplomatic right. intervention. And then certain things happen, and I'm not going to put a time frame on it because you can probably go like who knows, from right? the 90s or you know 100 years ago. It doesn't matter. But there was a shift recently in the last few decades where the military kind of dictated and the diplomacy kind of came up from behind, and that was messed up. It came up from behind, meaning it became second place. S- secondary. So it actually fell behind. Fell behind. So we went from being diplomatic and then having military as a last resort. Right, it's the other way. To then the military was beginning to dictate and our diplomacy was falling behind that. And I think Todd and I both listened to the podcast at different times, but we both talked to each other how interesting that is for our nation, but also as a whole. And also with, it. let's take that to a more micro level, is that's the problem in our relationships is instead of being willing to practice the art of reaching people in a sensitive way, we just bulldoze through 
and decide we're right and they're wrong. For example, you're going to school. Yes. That's the bulldoze. Yes. That's the military way. Correct. The The diplomatic way is kind of what you said. Correct. And there are times, like I used to be, um, uh, just to kind of demonstrate how this can go back and forth, I used to work at Children's Memorial and a big part of my work was helping kids who had school anxiety get back into school. Yeah. And we're talking about kids who had extreme school anxiety, like where Severe. I would have to drive them into the parking lot and sit with them. And we'd sit there for 10 minutes and then go home. Mm-hmm. And we had to gradually go up and yeah. go the up. The next day you go back yes. and – right. And so that is when there had to be more of a forceful intervention, like, I know you don't want to go, but we are going to go there for 10 minutes. It was more of like, and then you gradually, you start to build on that trust where it does become more diplomatic, where you start to say, now, what do you think you can do? And it's, what I'm saying is it having the military or the more, you know, this forceful forceful or boundary setting or whatever it may be, may be necessary Mm -hmm. as something out there as a possibility, but to first have that sense of diplomacy and that sense of, I want to connect with you and hear you and understand what your needs are instead of me tell you and impose on you what I think you should do. And again, I'm talking globally and I'm talking in our own families. And this is what we're running into right now in our world is we're getting frustrated and people are saying, well, darn it. I'm tired of this. This is what I want. And screw everybody else. Are they really saying darn it, sweetie? No, but I'm trying not to swear too much. Because there's a lot of people that listen with their kids in the room. Yeah. Way to be diplomatic. I know. See, I'm trying to practice what I preach. And so the other thing I wanted to talk about that I think blends well with this is, um, do you know my guy, D.W. Winnicott? Do you know him? Yeah, it rings a bell. I don't know why. He's like my favorite theorist. And he died the year I was born, 1971. Um, and same year Jim Morrison died, sweetie. Really? July 3rd, 1971. And I was born July 29th. What if I am the reincarnation of Jim Morrison? That'd be weird. And you married me. Married you and made babies with you. And you loved the doors. I know. What if I am? It's possible, but probably not very likely. It reminds me of when Phoebe thought her mom came back as a as cat. As a cat. Yeah, that was a little more grief. Yes. I don't, I'm just kind of being crazy. But anyway, he's um, uh, an English pediatrician and psychoanalyst who was especially influential in the field of object relations theory. Correct. Sounds kind of boring. Well, to you, not to me. I love uh, theory. Um, But here is what is going on with Winnicott. There is a few things that I loved that he talked about. One of them was the good enough mother. Mm -hmm. You know about the good enough mother? No, no idea. His whole thing was that he worked with a lot of women who were highly anxious about their parenting. And again, mm. this was at a time when he was focusing on women. So I know men can be anxious too, but I'm going back to Winnicott sure. 50s and 60s here. And they were so anxious that it was harming their child. Okay. Okay. They were inadvertently harming their child with their anxiety. So he basically was able to help them, in, in, again, with object relations theory, understanding how we affect each other, that you don't have to be a perfect mother. Things can go wrong. There can be problems. You just need to be good enough. Mm, interesting. Does that make sense? I'm reading it on uh, the Wikipedia. 
Um, his work with children and their mothers developed his influential concept of the holding environment. Okay. Does that make sense? Yes. Uh, that's like that's what we talk about, holding space. The foundations of health are laid down by the ordinary mother in her ordinary loving care of her yes. own baby, central to which was the mother's attentive holding of her child. So you're kind of, are you talking about, it, this is connected to uh, good enough mothering, but right. you're talking more about... Something different. Sorry it, about that. That's okay. What he's saying, I like the words that you pulled up, though, because ordinary. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of where we are again in our society, where we think we have to be these extraordinary parents and go to these extraordinary means. I don't think this happens as often as it used to, but I remember like... 10 years ago when I was help, you know, helping parents and doing a lot of more one-on-one -on -one kind of work with them, there was all this fear about I want to have the biggest birthday party for my, my kid. And right. I want my kid – this is still true today. I want my kid to be in like 10 activities and I want to be like the parent who gives them all these things. Sure. And you know, it's that idea that we have to be extraordinary rather than ordinary. Mm -hmm. And ordinary, um, again, I don't know how that word makes you feel, but it just means be a human. You have good days. You have bad days. You you make good choices. Sometimes you don't make good choices. You are – that makes you a whole person. And if you can be a whole person with your children, they then learn how to be whole people. Yeah, and I think as parents, we try to be perfect. Exactly. So that is good enough, mother. Look, let, your, let your kids see you uh, struggle and – get sad and, you know, get angry and let them see your true self. Your humanness. And your that is the other thing that I love from Winnicott is true self and false self. Right. And that's really what I wanted to focus on in terms of diplomacy is he, I think we've talked about true and false self before True self on is show. a sense of being alive and real in one's mind and body. So basically true self is who you came here as. Mm -hmm. So when you were a child and you were a baby before you thought about what other people thought about you, you were just you. Right. And this is who you are and this is what you love and this is your sense of being and aliveness. I am just here. You know, it's why we love when children laugh because it's so innate. They're not doing it to socially please someone. They're not doing it because they believe in this instead of that. They're just humored. And that's their true self. I always tell my college students that if they are having a hard time figuring out what that true self is, is you got to go back to childhood. Yep. You got to figure out what you loved before anybody told you what to love. And a lot of what Todd and I try and do on this show and all the information we try and give you is how to help your children hold on to their true selves. It doesn't mean that you don't protect their safety and give them societal norms and help them be polite and all of those things that we need to get along in a society, but you also help them hold on to what they know intrinsically. Um, so here's an example of a baby being her true self. Okay. And I play this for myself once every few weeks. Okay. And it's a YouTube video that you may or may not have seen. It's a baby girl laughing hysterically at a dog eating popcorn. Oh, I love this. Yeah. And it's not going to be nearly as good because you're just listening to it. But if you could see the visual, it's even better. But I think the audio will be good enough. Okay. So. <laughs> <laughs> she just loves it.
It goes on for another 21 seconds. Oh, my God. It's my, I'm crying. If you ever are having a bad day, <laughs> I'll put this in the show notes. I know sometimes I say I'm going to put something in the show notes and I forget. I will not forget to put this in the show notes. <laughs> and it's just the best. And so why that makes us laugh so hard, any, but not just Todd and I, I mean all of us, is because it's true. Yeah. It's real. It's like it's funny. Just Unfiltered emotions, positive emotions. Because we don't think it's funny that the dog is eating popcorn. We're not laughing at that. Right. We're laughing at her enjoyment. Yes. That is true joy. Oh, my God. So that's true self. That's a great <laughs> definition of true self. The false self is when a a human being learns that they have to comply with external rules, mm-hmm. okay? So they figure out that, okay, the way that I am liked is if I do this. Mm-hmm. The way that people will accept me is if I look this way. The way that um, it's social codes. It's And unfortunately, without meaning to harm, in our own homes, we often um, promote right. a false self. right. You know, a child walks out in a really like, you know, all of our daughters have gone through this, but Skylar's still in it where she walks out wearing a flowered skirt, a shirt that's a completely different color and striped tights. Right. And she walks out saying, good morning, everybody. Here I am. And we don't say a word. And not only do we not say a word, it's a non-issue anymore. This is exactly who this girl is. She comes home and she'll say her friend, she'll say, my friend said I didn't match today, so I might match tomorrow, but I might not. Like she's... She's catching on to the fact that other people may not wear these things. But if if your people at home, if your support system at home supports you in being who you are, you have a lot more groundedness to go out there and be who you are. Mm-hmm. So you may have peers say you don't match or I don't like that. But if you feel tethered, meaning you're like, I know who I am and the people at home love me for who I am, you're not as – apt to succumb to that peer pressure. Well, I think it's interesting you use the word tethered because that makes me think of Untethered Soul, uh-huh. which gives me just yet another appreciation for the title of that amazing book. And I don't know if this is uh, exact, but I have on my vision board somewhere, Eckhart has a quote on inner purpose and outer purpose. Uh-huh. And inner purpose, it concerns being and is the primary, Correct. which might be the true self. Correct. Outer purpose concerns the doing and is secondary. So I don't know. I know you're talking about false self. No, you're, maybe you're right of, on. Of a jump. Your inner purpose is to awaken. It's as yes. simple as that. You share that purpose with every other person on the planet because it's the purpose of humanity. Your inner pers- purpose is an essential part of the purpose of the whole, the universe and its emerging intelligence. Your outer purpose can change over time. It varies greatly from person to person. Finding and leaving in alignment with the inner purpose is the foundation fulfilling your outer purpose. That was a lot of purpose. It's a lot of purpose. Well, it's good. And, you know, Carl Jung, um, who I love very much, uh, had a lot of insight regarding our consciousness. And I mean, I think he's the the teacher of it and also just dream analysis and everything. But Carl Jung says that the the biggest problem of our society, and he actually uses the word sin, but I choose to not use that word because it gets too heavy, mixed up with religion. But the biggest problem in our society is our inability 
to be conscious, our allowing of ourselves to be unconscious. And that is the false self. The unconscious is we believe that what is outside of us is what is true and whatever is going on inside of us is what we need to fix fix or change or not look at. You know, you're right. Sometimes it's just we need to fix it. You're right. That's a good point. But a lot of people don't even know what's going on inside of them. Like, you know, when I say when I teach mindfulness classes and when I the first time I say, do you know that your thoughts aren't always true? And do you know that your thoughts lie to you? Do you know that your thought and people get like super uncomfortable, like they haven't even disconnected themselves from their thoughts. There's they, no space. They, they don't realize that their thinking isn't always real. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just a bunch of it's a bunch of. And it's going to keep activating whether or not you choose to have it activated. Same exactly. as your kidneys and your hearts and every other organ in your body. Uh, your brain's going to keep working. Monkey mind, right? Monkey, uh, monkey mind and your brain is a processing machine. It is constantly con- you know, processing information, not necessarily truth. Mm-hmm. It's processing information. It's processing that debate you watched last night. It's processing what you saw on the news. It's processing what you saw on social media. And it's churning out information based on that. But it's not necessarily truth. You know, and nor do you need necessarily need it or apply it. Correct. Most of it, actually, you probably don't. Now, here's something interesting that also within Winnicott's theory is the idea of the healthy false self. And the oh. healthy false self is our ability to um, live in a society because there are social norms we have to have. For example, if I was annoyed, mm-hmm. and it's scary because these things do happen sometimes now, but if I was annoyed at someone walking in front of me, right. I just because I'm annoyed doesn't give me the right to stop them and say, hey, I'm annoyed at you and you shouldn't have done this. Like we have to have some social graces. Right. Um, We have to have a sense of community and that you have space. I have space. We all have space together. Um, That is a healthy false self because I don't even like to put the word false in there, but it's a sense of politeness. You know what I mean? Well, it makes me think of the quote, if you have a choice between being right and being kind – what are you going to be? Exactly. And so the way that Winnicott describes it is um, it's this healthy false self is functional for both the person and society. Mm. Okay? So it's functional. Like the healthy false self isn't pretending to be someone then other than it is. It's just allow. It's that sense of, okay, yes, I am angry, but I'm not going to act it's on it. It's kind of like when Jack Tripper on Three's Company decided he was going to say nothing but the truth to everybody for the whole episode. I love that episode. And it didn't work out so well. That would have been a... The unhealthy false That's self. That's an unhealthy false self. That is... And actually, the unhealthy false self is a thing. Um, mm. It's a, the unhealthy false self, a self that fits in, but through a feeling of forced compliance rather than loving adaption. And that forced compliance was Jack was going to speak the truths regardless of any other... Well, he imposed his own compliance. Right. I mean, that wasn't societal. Right. He said, I am going to yeah. do this no matter yeah, he what. he put it on himself. Exactly. Whereas the unhealthy false self is the exactly what we're talking about, where somebody goes out in the world and they say, I'm not good enough as I am. There is nothing about me that is worthy, but I'm going to put on this shell and this mask and pretend so I can fit in. And then the only way we end up feeling good about who we are is by external validation. If other people don't tell us that we're doing a good job or that we look good, then it doesn't we don't feel those things because we don't have that internal sense of self. So true self and false self. And the reason why I think this is important is because this is, I think, what keeps us from our diplomacy is that I think if we're living from a false self, um, then our our issues um, – actually, I really liked this, uh, something that I wrote down a long time ago, and I, th- I got it from somebody else, so I can't claim – 
you know, I didn't write this, but I've had it up. The false self is the desperate need to feel that I am better and therefore more deserving than others so that I feel special and I will feel that I won't be abandoned. Yep. So the false self kind of love is I'm going to go out there, compete, be better than everybody, tell everybody why I'm better. Divisiveness. Divisiveness. I'm going to, you know, make everybody either fear me mm-hmm. um, or make them feel small around me. Then I win. Yeah. And then I won't be abandoned because I'm the best, which is false in so many ways. The true self-love is the commitment to knowing myself as I am, to fully experiencing it life as it comes to me, and honoring my potential by continually seeking ways to grow. It has nothing to do with anybody else. It's all internal. And then when you have that sense of understanding and wonder, that's how you relate to everybody else. You respect their sense of true self. Starts on the inside. But don't you think it's interesting that people still fall? They still think the people who are overpowering and competitive and loud are powerful. Like when we understand what bullies are, I I always have Are you referring to somebody who's running for president? yes. And yes, and I'm also referring to anybody else who's like that because he's not the only one. Yeah, well, it's um, an overcompensation, right? It is. It's like a, I am so scared. I am so sad. I am so fearful. I don't feel like I have anything of my own. So I'm going to tell you why you suck and I am going to scare everybody and I am going to, it's king of the hill. Yeah. I'm going to throw everybody off of this hill and be up here isolated and be afraid of anybody who tries to you know come up here. And anyone who tries to come up here, they better watch out. Yeah. It's just... It's hard for me to understand how at this point, and I guess it's just because of my own age, you know, someone who's young, they're not going to understand this because they haven't had the life experience. Well, there's plenty of old people that will never get that life experience. I guess. I guess. I just don't understand why anyone thinks that's true power because true power is the art of diplomacy. Mm -hmm. Can you move people? Well, I think it's because when somebody is a bully, they activate activate our own shadows. Exactly. So we regress and we forget who we are. That's it. That's it. When someone presents as their false self, it pushes us to our false selves because they feed our other wolf. Yes. You've got the two wolves. You guys know this story. We love this story. You've got two wolves inside of you. The boy says to his grandfather... Which one will win? One is angry, one is divisive, one is jealous, one is, you know, aggravated. The other is, you know, love and joy and connection and compassion. And the boy says, which one will win? And the grandfather said, whoever you feed. And when you have a leader, if it be, you know, somebody who's out in the world right now trying to be a leader or someone at a company or a parent or anybody who is feeding that other wolf of anger and resentment, then other people who come into contact with them, that wolf gets fed in them. Yeah. It's a ripple effect. It's a ripple both effect. Ways, for the good and for the bad. Exactly. And so when we see someone or experience someone who is diplomatic or who feeds their other wolf, who says, nope, I think we should go compassion. I think we should go love. And it's got to be habitual. I just watched that two-minute Tony Robbins clip again, and it's all about you you can, you know, being frustrated or depressed or sad is a habit, and you can break out of the habit by just deciding that you're going to do certain things that feed that other side of you, whether it's going for a walk outside or looking at a YouTube clip that of a baby laughing at a dog right. eating. Like, what are you going to focus on? What you focus on grows. Right. You know, it's all that stuff. Well, and this is the, you know, this gets into, you just mentioned the untethered soul. It's 
Because I think some people who are in that healing mentality have a hard time with that because they then view the I'm going to change the way I'm thinking as as I'm repressing things I'm feeling. And feeling is very different. Having a feeling is very different than having a cycling loop of negative thoughts. A cycling loop of negative thoughts isn't going to help you in any way, shape, or form. Having a negative feeling may be something you need to feel, experience, cry, release, talk about. But if you're constantly having negativity go through your mind- You're focusing on the wrong thing. You're, th- then that's when you can say, I'm in, in, in uh, Dr. Martinez, when he came here and talked to us about anxiety, yeah. he, uh, you know, as a psychiatrist, will always say to people, you've got to notice that tape and you have to question that loop. And that is when you go to what you just said about Tony Robbins of watch something else, do something else. Well, and know that there is a loop. Most people who are uh, are a victim of that loop don't even know that it's a loop. But they, they think it's them. They think it's truth. They think it's truth. And then they see the world through those glasses. And then when somebody says, I was just having a conversation with someone a week ago about something, you know, about someone I was going to work with or that someone I was trusting. And they're like, well, I don't know if you want to trust that person. You know, I've had this experience with people when I trust them at all. And that is their negative experience and their fear that they are then imposing on something they know nothing about. They know nothing about my relationship with this person or, and could this person turn out to be, sure, that's life, you know, but it's when And then let's say you get your butt kicked and you trust somebody who was trying to take advantage of you. You can use that to propel yourself to a new change, a a new period of of growth. Right. And, And that doesn't mean then you become cynical. Um, actually, we were just talking about that Cory Booker interview. Yeah. Um, there was a great, uh, what was it on? Freakonomics? Yes. I love Freakonomics. It was on a Freakonomics podcast. It was an interview with Cory Booker, who Todd and I were both very impressed with. Um, wow, that man is well-spoken. I've always known who he was and right. followed him. and But there was something about this interview that I felt like he got all of what he believes in shared in a good 30-minute interview. Right. And wow, it was impressive. But he um, he was talking about that being cynical is such a cop-out. And that when people say, oh, well, you know, you know, the whole world, I can't stand the government, therefore I'm just going to walk away. I'm not going to vote. I'm not going to do this. Then you're participating in the demise. Right. Then you're participating in you have to show up somehow and you either going to show up with love and compassion and hope and, you know, from that sense of knowing or if you don't show up at all, then you're allowing other people to have louder voices. Can I give you 21 seconds from Conan O'Brien? Sure, please. Please do not be cynical. I hate cynicism. For the record, it's my least favorite quality. It doesn't lead anywhere. Nobody in life gets exactly what they thought they were going to get. But if you work really hard and you're kind, amazing things will happen. I'm telling you, amazing things will happen. There's Conan. That's it, man. We just, and sometimes with age, um, people become cynical because of the challenges that life has thrown their way. But then what they've missed is the people who have helped them out of those challenges. Right. They've missed... You know, as Dr. Rogers, Dr. Rogers, Mr. Rogers has always says, uh, you know, look for the helpers. Yep. When you were in misery and when those bad things happened, did people help you and love you? Did you have lifeboats? Did you have – because those are the things that you put your energy on. Yep. You notice 
the good things. And then that will now, you know, my women's circle and I, we were talking last Thursday about how one of the best parts of being the age that we are is we've all been through enough things to know that the helpers will arrive. And when I say helpers, I mean literal people, but I also mean insights and books and, and, you know, opportunities, doors opening, the helpers arrive when you need them. But too many people, because they're looking, uh, you know, they don't even notice that the door is no, open. They didn't even notice the door. They right. just walked right by it, or they walked in without appreciation and gratitude. Yeah, gratitude is a really quick first step towards getting out of a rut. You better believe it. So that is what I have to say about that. That's the dilio. That's the dilio. What's the uh, dilio? dilio? There's a uh, restaurant. <laughs> close by here and it's called Delio's. Uh-huh. And Kathy and I like to say, what's the uh Delio? Delio. <laughs> um only funny to us. No, no, it's funny to everybody. <laughs> trust me. So uh to close the show, we have two nice iTunes reviews. I'm not gonna read them, but one is from Shamel. I don't know who Shamel is. Okay. The other one is kind of a fun word to say. Mamperdoski. Nice. Probably a last name, right? Mamperdoski. So thank you. Mamperdowski says extra something to keep me grounded. Five stars. A lot of five stars. Thank you, everybody. Our listeners are so great. Um, Our last partner is uh, Jeremy Craft, Avid Company, painting and remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area. So make sure that you look him up if you're doing anything like that, especially basements. He's into basement mode. He told me to start talking about basements. So if you have a basement that needs a little uh, tune-up, he's your guy. Hey, avidco.net. I, I actually have a an ending words of wisdom. Are we at the end of the show? Yeah, we are. But hold on, let me. Is it long words? Should I start the music now, or should I wait a little bit? Uh, well, let me read it and then start the music. Okay. Because I don't want to be talking over the music. Okay. So it's interesting because I'm reading this new book um, by John Philip Newell, who was introduced to me by Rob Bell, um, and it's so good. And I am. I just can't believe somehow. I'm so impressed by people who can say things so clear and so with love. And it's like it's like I read the book and I feel like the words are soft. I feel like the pages are soft. It's so gentle. Yeah. Okay. It's the words. Do you know what I mean? But it's got a book jacket on there. I can't stand book jackets. Take that book jacket off. You're missing what I'm saying. I'm not. I'm not talking about the book. I'm talking about the feel of the inside of the book. It's so soft. His words. It's like quiet. Like I want to read it and be quiet. Okay, let's, why don't you whisper it okay. for effect? Okay. So John Philip Newell in this book called A New Harmony, he's, he actually talks about Carl Jung, and he says that Jung, he's, he, Jung always spoke of healing and especially the relationship between consciousness and healing. He represented the desire to connect again with life's deepest note. Isn't that beautiful? Mm. The sound that unites all things. And the dream spoke to me of the implicit relationship between knowing our true depths depths, and knowing also the brokenness that is within us. Because here's the most important thing about what Todd and I talk about. You don't just say life is good and, it's, and not look at the things that are broken. You have to look at the things that are broken in order to understand why life is good. It, because it's... It's the whole picture. Yeah. It's the whole thing put together. Embrace the shadow because if you repress it, then Then you can't see the light. You can't. If you repress that shadow, it will pop up in crazy ways. And you don't have to be afraid of it. I'm not saying that to be afraid. I'm saying if you are sad, just say you're sad. If you're jealous, 
You're jealous. Our sadness doesn't need to be healed. It needs to be held. It needs to be held. And if you feel these things, if you're angry, then speak it to someone you can trust, someone who, as Brene Brown says, who has earned the right to hear your true self and trust them or journal it or talk to a therapist or talk to a coach or have a good cry or have your mini breakdowns that Todd and I always talk about. Those are the broken parts of us. And when we when we notice those things and recognize those things, we become shinier. We become lighter. Then we can appreciate those that lit up part of life and the world. Sweetie, you're kind of rocking it out there. I'm I'm like all over the place. I'm like my arms are going, and I'm I think I'm getting ready because we have all sorts of talking to do this weekend. Lots of talking. Todd and I have we're you know this conference. I hope you're coming. If you're coming, we'll see you in like five days. No, three. Three. We'll see you in three days. And uh, if you're listening to this after the conference, think about coming next year. Because it's going to be great. Yes. If you're listening to this after the conference, I'm already going to tell you, it was great. So just for an FYI, we are, uh, this comes out on March 8th, 2016. So maybe somebody's listening to it in 2018 right now. Well, if you are, come to our 2018 conference. I'll bet you last year's (laughs) 2017 was really good. All right. See you guys. uh, Oh, we're going to do a show on Friday. So listen in. I was going to play a clip, but we got a Friday show coming up. Oh, good. Adios. Adios. That's our show, friends. We hope you felt outstanding. And if you want to continue feeling this outstanding, go to zenparentingradio.com and subscribe to the podcast. You can also subscribe via iTunes. And while you're there, feel free to give us a kind review. You can email us at comments at zenparentingradio.com or you can record a voicemail by clicking on the send us a voice message link on our homepage with comments or questions. Don't forget our Zen Parenting conference is on march 11th and 12th 2016 for more details go to zengetsreal.com if you're interested in any of kathy's three award-winning books you can purchase through our website or through amazon we also do local presentations virtual retreats and movie screenings which can be found by clicking on the events tab on our webpage. if you ever shop via amazon you can help us out by first going through the amazon link on our homepage. It doesn't cost anything to you, but we get a small commission from Amazon. If you're interested in the Tribe, the monthly men's group that I co-facilitate, you can go to thetribemensgroup.com for more details. Lastly, and most importantly, a special thanks to our three partners, Avid Company, Tree of Life Chiropractic Care, and John J. Kelly Dentistry. If you own a business and are interested in partnering with us, please send me an email at comments at zenparentingradio.com. Finally, we're grateful for your support and encouragement. We only ask that you give the same to yourself and the people you love most. Until next time.